Two years in which there had been no sign of pregnancy, in spite of her desire to bear his child before it was too late. Perhaps it was already too late, for Linus had not visited her bed once in the last two months on the pretext that any physical exercise brought on his coughing spasms. Tomorrow would be her nineteenth birthday. She hoped he might visit her, if only to be held in her arms. It was unproductive to speculate on the welcome they would receive, Helene having no reason to suppose that they would be treated with anything but courtesy, and in her lover's case, with affection too. The brothers were very fond of each other, and although no obvious favour was offered to Linus when taking part in the usual manly activities, Helene nevertheless suspected that Lord Winterson kept a very careful eye on his brother, stopping within his limits or suggesting an easier route, ostensibly for his own benefit. Visiting Linus's home on Stonegate, Winterson never stayed long enough to tire him, nor was anything ever said in her presence about the array of medicines at Linus's elbow. Helene hoped it was obvious to Winterson that she was taking every conceivable care of his brother without mollycoddling him but the feeling persisted that he thought her a young, social-climbing nobody on the lookout for a wealthy patron who would feather her nest for as long as possible. If he had taken the trouble to find out, she thought, he might have discovered the truth of the matter, that Miss Helene Follett was in fact a certain Miss Helen Folthorpe of Bridlington, only thirty miles or so away on the Yorkshire coast, where her father had once been mayor had it not been for Leonard Folthorpe's unfortunate experience, she would still be living with her family in comfort instead of selling herself to support those of her family who remained. Five years ago, taking a lover had been the very last thing on her mind, but she could be of little help to her family on the pittance she had earned as a York mantua-maker's assistant, and one could not be too finicky when near starvation was a real alternative. To say she resented Winterson's thinly-veiled contempt would not have been an exaggeration. His manner was correct, and as icy as if she'd been a crusty old dowager of fifty, instead of a sleek, raven-haired beauty of nineteen, giving her no opportunity to be as sisterly as she was with her own two young brothers. Not even for Linus's sake did Lord Winterson do anything to endear himself to her. And now, as he strode out of the great Tudor porchway of Abbot's Mere with three gigantic wolfhounds at his heels, his smile skimmed over her as if she were merely the housekeeper or Linus's nurse. The hand, he extended, came just a little too late to help her out of the barouche. Miss Follett, he said, keeping the hand out so that she was obliged to accept it. Welcome to Abbot's Mere. The greeting was formal and not particularly convincing. She had tried to ignore the ambiguous emotions that bedeviled her, but the contrast between Linus and his twin was so transparent, and she herself so receptive to all the differences between one man in the prime of his life, and one whose prime had never quite materialised, that she now found it easier to accept it than question it. Winterson did not have his brother's lanky, loping frame of a tired racehorse, but the deep-chested, well-toned solidness of a hunter. Helene watched him move gracefully aside, 
her eyes taking their own wayward course over the broad, smooth line of his riding coat, the bulge in his tight breeches, the tan-cuffed riding boots with spurs, and the muscled calves. Reprimanding herself, she refused to acknowledge the stark truth that she might have wished this man's physical endowments upon his sibling, forcing herself instead to smile at the brotherly embrace and the genuine laughter accompanying it. The stifling, insistent beat of her heart, so long starved of its own special excitement, was quelled with some effort as she diverted her thoughts towards Linus's pleasure and what she could do to maintain it. Noting how Linus caressed the ears of the nearest wolfhound, she could see how happy he was to be here and to spend time in the stone-built, rambling place where he'd been born. As a concession to his asthma, he kept no animals, except horses.